Real Cuff Radio is about to begin. Everybody loves a hero. I believe there's a hero in all of us. Welcome to Real Cuff, and this is Todd. Julie is on the line. How are you doing, Julie, tonight? Just fine, thank you. We've got a very exciting interview, Dr. James McDaniel, and I don't want to give anything away, but he he works uh, with Mercy Ships, and so I'm excited about this because as I travel around and I talk to a lot of nurses and a lot of doctors, and they're always saying, you know, about mission trips, what kind of mission trip can I go on and, and stuff like that, and uh, so I've got their answer, but Dr. McDaniel, how are you tonight? I'm just fine. Thank you. Well, sir, uh, I'm going to basically turn it over to you and let you, you know, tell your testimony. And and, uh, I just believe that uh, it's going to inspire a lot of people to, uh, you know, not only in their faith, but also um, inspire them to go on these mission trips. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and I hope... Hope that what I say and what the thoughts that go through my mind are those that God puts there, so I'm counting on that. Well, I wanted to just give a little of my story. I was raised in the state of Texas. I had three brothers, and I was raised in a Christian home, and we had a very religious environment in our home. We went to church regularly every Sunday, twice a day, Wednesday night, and so forth. And I, when I was young, um, my eyes were crossed. And I had to have surgery. And so I was probably in the first grade. And we went to the doctor, and they did a surgical procedure, and it corrected my vision. And so at that point in time, I thought I would like to be a surgeon to do corrective surgery, so I would like to do this. But I went through school in Texas. I went through college. I went to medical school there. Then um, I was... After my internship, I was drafted into the Army. I went to Vietnam. I went back to Texas and did my orthopedic surgery training and uh, felt that's what uh, I should do because that's what I did in Vietnam. So I went back, and then I went into medical practice in Abilene, Texas, and I was in practice for 25 years. I had a wonderful practice. I didn't love being in surgery as much as I loved my relationship and helping people. It was an excellent practice. You know, I had a very good income. I was respected in the community. I was involved in medical politics and all kinds of things. So I was going along great, not doing everything God wanted me to do, but I was, I had a successful practice. So in January of 1997, I developed a relatively simple rash on my body and we couldn't figure out what it was. But Uh, Three days later, I was getting ready to go to Austin to a medical meeting, and I got real sick, and I was real tired. And I pulled up in the driveway. In February, it was cold, and I went to sleep at the, you know, my car was parked, and I was asleep in the car. So my wife found me in the car. They took me in the house, and I was a little confused. They put me to bed, and I had a fever. A local doctor came by and gave me some medicine for the flu, He came by the next morning, and something had changed, and he found that my exam was okay, except I was completely aphasic. And that means I could hear him, I could understand what he was saying, but I couldn't speak. 
So my wife quickly loaded me in the car and ran most of the red lights to take me to the local hospital. And they started working tests on me, doing x-rays and doing things, and within a, within about a period of three hours, I was in a coma. And they couldn't figure out what was going on, so they started an IV, put me in ICU, continued to run tests, and I, after about 18 hours, when I woke up in intensive care, I was surrounded by my family at my bedside. And I told my son, I said, I think I've just had the worst day of my life. Well, I stayed in the hospital for three more days. They couldn't find any tests that were positive. So the next Sunday, I stood up in church and I said, God has has taken me to the edge of life and has brought me back. He's healed me, and so I'm going to serve him. Well, I went home and I felt pretty good, but I was confused. So within another 10 days, I was back in the hospital. And then the coma situation was more progressive. I started having more and more problems. They ran more tests. I had doctors and pills and medicines and so forth. And all of a sudden, one day, my pulse rate dropped below 40. And so they did my cardiogram and said, you have a, what they call a third-degree complete heart block. So they put a temporary pacemaker in me. They continued to run tests and check things, and they couldn't figure out what was going on. So they flew me to Baylor Hospital in Dallas because they felt I needed more intensive workup. Well, I had reactions to medications. I had ups and downs. I would wake up for a few days. I would I would then see, go back into a coma. So basically, I had 10 hospitalizations in the next five months. And I was never home more than 10 days during that period of time. I had reactions to medications. In April, I started having severe grand mal seizures all over my body. My wife, who is a wonderful Christian woman and a nurse, and she prayed over me every day. She kept a prayer journal every day. And the scripture she leaned on was in Isaiah, where it says, Lean not on your own understanding, but believe in God, trust in him, and he will protect and take care of you. So over the next few months, I had three air flights back and forth between my local hospital and Dallas. Prayer partners came and visited with me. Friends prayed for me all over the country. We had a good relationship with Youth with a Mission, and they were praying for me. Our Emmaus community in Abilene was praying for me. Everyone in the church, I was being spoken about on our local Christian radio station in Abilene, and I had prayer going up for me continuously. But no one really knew what to do. One day I was in a comatose stage in the hospital, and this couple came in, and they said, we feel like God has asked us to come and pray for you. But we've not been able to be in this hospital for a year because our son died here a year ago, and so we think God wants us to come and pray for you. So he stayed at the foot of my bed. His wife came and held my hand. Now, all these are things that I know because of what my wife has written in her prayer journal for months and months every day. And so I recovered some, but I never really got very well. So it was back and forth, back and forth from Abilene to Dallas. So I went home. I developed a multiple-resistant staph infection and had to have an IV put into my chest. I've had IV lines put directly into my heart for antibiotics and the whole thing. But my 
recovery was very slow, and it looked like I wouldn't recover. And so I finally said, one day I was relatively conscious. I told my wife, I just don't want to go back in the hospital again. So the doctor said, he's really not going to recover. He's going to end up going to a nursing home. So the basic diagnosis then was a viral encephalitis, which in most adults you just don't recover from. So another evangelical pastor came to our house and he said, he said, I refuse to believe that this is of God. I feel there's a spirit of death in this house and it must be driven away. No one can come in this house that does not believe. He's going to be raised up. And at the time, I was completely unconscious. And he said, say hallelujah. And I said, I had not spoken anything for days. I said, hallelujah. And so my wife said that the Holy Spirit in that room was so strong that it almost peeled the paint off the wall. So the scripture that we hold on to all this time was in Proverbs 29, 11, which said, I know the plans for you that I have for you. They are for good, and you will come to no harm. Seek me, and you will find me. Pray to me, and I will hear you and answer your prayer. So we have had to know all, all this time that he has been our provider and our protector, that he's available and he's able in all things. So we did not know what to do. Obviously, I had a very busy practice, and I was not going to be able to go back to work. I was on five medicines for seizures. Gradually, over the period of the next two or three years, those all got narrowed down to one, and finally they were stopped. I went to see a neuropsychologist in in my hometown, and he hooked me up to an EEG monitor where they put all these leads all over your head. And he said, I would like for you to see if you can't put your beta and your gamma waves back in order. They're not in order. And so I said, I don't know how to do that. He had me concentrate on a pencil. He had me do this and that. Finally, I was, he just kept telling me to do something. And I started really praying for my family, for myself, for God's will in our lives. And those things came into order only through prayer. So that was amazing. That really knocked his socks off. We decided that God wanted us to make a change in our life. He said, I'm, I've changed you. I want to restructure you. I want you to do something different. So in 1999, two years after this illness originally struck, we felt led to come to East Texas. We had a friend that used with a mission. And we came to visit with her and see if there was a place there for us, and they said, sure, we can find a place. They said, but next door is an organization called Mercy Ships. And Mercy Ships goes and does mission work primarily in Central America and Africa. And uh, maybe you would be interested in going to talk to them. So we had our application in YWAM. We went over to Mercy Ships, and lo and behold, they had just started an orthopedic surgery program, and the fellow who was there was someone who used to work for me on weekends when he was in training. So he said, I've been praying for help. And so I went and I have been with Mercy Ships now for 18 years. In 18 years, I have been in 12 different nations in Central America and West Africa. 
where we have done corrective surgery on adults and children, but most of our emphasis is on crippled children, on curved legs and club feet. But the ship goes into port and stays there for nine months at a time, and thousands of people come and line up to be sorted as to who they can operate on. We operate on a lot of people with cataracts, a lot of people with cleft lips and maxillofacial problems, orthopedic surgery, some patients with gynecological problems, and uh, goiters and tumors of various types. So that's been a real blessing to be able to serve people, and I really felt that if you can reach people, I've never found an Islamic person that didn't want you to pray with them. So we pray with them, we bless them, we show the uh, Jesus film on the ward, and uh, we have a full-time staff on board the ship have 300 people who live on the ship every day who work there. And uh, hopefully we'll have another ship in a couple of years, but but God has been good to us. Now, with Central, with uh, Youth with a Mission, I have done mission outreaches to Central America. I've done mission outreaches to Mexico. I'm with an organization with YWAM called Mercy Works, and they respond to disasters. We have a team going to the to the situation in Italy next week. My wife went to Greece last year to welcome refugees from Syria. So there are witness opportunities all over the world, but there are witness opportunities at home. And I think that's where we have to concentrate. I now have something called a charity nonprofit license in Texas. And I can see people with various injuries and if I can help them with something simple, I can help them. If not, maybe I can send them to see someone. Um, so I see people for free. I don't keep records. I don't have an office or hospital privileges. But I continue to see people who have an injury. So we live in East Texas, and we have a house that has an extra bedroom. And as a result, we've had a lot of unwed mothers come here before and after their delivery. We've had missionaries who come back from the field who don't know exactly where they're going to go. and So our house has been open to people. This is God's house, and we have a sign over the entrance to our place called Mercy Ranch. We're not cattle people. We don't have a lot of property, but this is a place where people can come if they would like to have support and encouragement. My wife is particularly interested in unwed mothers, so... He's a great intercessor, a Bible teacher, and has been my intercessor by my bedside all of these years. So I know that God has always had a better plan for me in my life. I was not very good at following his instructions and his plans early in my life. But since, <clears throat> since my illness, it took me six months to get to where I could do my alphabet and sign my name, read, write, walk, and talk properly. But he has restored me when most of the doctors said I would just go to a nursing home and not live a long time. But uh, prayer works, and God is good, and people need to continue to pray for their family, for their friends, and for anyone they know who has any kind of distress because God is available, and he is able to do all things. It's written in the Bible. It's been proven over the years. And we need to count on what he said because he is faithful. So that's me. That's who I am. I'm now 75 years old. I've had a coronary bypass. I'm 
a type 2 diabetic, but I am in great shape. God has restored me, and I think more than anything, he wants to restructure lives. So he's a good God. He's faithful, he's able, and he's available. So never forget and hang on to the truth. Dr. McDaniel, so let me ask you, I know the people that are on the boats themselves, I mean, when they go on one of these trips, they're gone for a long period of time. But what about different doctors and nurses? Do they have some kind of program where they actually fly in and meet with them? Or how do they do that? Because I know they can't leave their practice for three months at a time. I understand. That's correct. And I think we have a kind of a unique situation for physicians who leave their practice and go. Most of the nurses who go to the ship will go for a period of a couple of months. A physician who they have a job for to work on the ship can go on board for a period of two or three weeks. And people fly into the port area, into the airport in the city area. They come and meet you with a vehicle, pick you up in your luggage, take you to the ship. You have a room. You'll have maybe one, two, or as many as three roommates, but it's Three meals a day, it's relatively inexpensive. I can't tell you exactly what it runs right now. You are responsible for your cost to get there and your weekly fee. And the weekly fee is very good, and it's three meals a day, worship services, support, and all the equipment that you need. But there are a lot of nurses, dentists, you know, all kinds of doctors who go and serve for a short-term period of time. If you want to go and stay for weeks or months, you can certainly go. But your trip can be relatively short. Now, there are also opportunities with use with a mission. To go on a trip to Mexico, to go on a trip like this group are going to, to Italy, to Greece. They've been in so many different places. Nepal, everywhere where they have a tornado. The Philippines, where they have a monsoon earthquake. Uh, so Youth with a Mission has opportunities, and Mercy Ships has opportunities for people. The ones with Mercy Ships are usually more distant and slightly longer, but you will be in a great group of people in an environment that you just would not believe how godly and wonderful it is. Okay. Well, Julie, what what questions you got tonight? Um well, you already a- answered them because I was curious if you were raised in a family with other doctors, but you already answered how, uh, that question. And uh, you said you went to school in Texas. I, was, I, I, I never, I, I did an internship in Colorado for a year, but other than that, I've been in Texas. <laughs> Beautiful. Listen, let me tell you about my family. We. We always went to church. We were very active in things. We were a religious family. Our personal relationship with God was not always real good in our early life. It was something you were supposed to do, and we did it. But later in our lives, all four of us boys have developed a strong personal relationship with God, which is much stronger than going to church, being a member of something. Uh, we were raised in the church. We heard and knew the truth, but we came to really realize we had to be closer to God than that later in our lives. But God's not through with us yet. It sounds like you're very active. Well, I'm very active, and we, not long ago, our property was stricken by a tornado, so I get out and chop trees and burn wood now and then, and it keeps me skinny. 
<laughs> yeah. Uh, are you still uh, going on the ship periodically? No, I've not been since 2011. Since since I had my bypass, and I'm a diabetic, but I'm controlled with pills. I can go, but my biggest job is to recruit people to go, to go and talk to people, to keep up with the orthopedic surgery supplies that they need, and get doctors to go and serve for two or three weeks at a time. So the orthopedic surgery program every year on the ship is about three months long. So I try to recruit doctors to go in teams of two to do that, that work. So I've not been on board the ship since 2011. Yeah. Well, I've been trying to talk to Mercy Ships about doing a urology program because I know a lot of urologists that are always saying they'd be very interested in in going on, you know, mission trips. And I know in a lot of these places you're going to, they definitely need urology. I think that's probably true. We are going to have another ship in about three years that will be 30% bigger than the ship we have now, so we will have two ships in West Africa. They might be able to expand into a program like that. There won't be a lot more operating rooms, but they're going to do a lot more training of people in countries, so they'll have an improved quality of care in the countries. That's a smart idea. Yes. Train them. That's fantastic. Well, lots of times we have trouble finding people in those countries who want to take care of their people for free. You know, we go in and take care of them for free, and then we leave them for them to follow up for a short time. But basically, we stay long enough that we follow the patients through most of their care. Okay. Well, I appreciate you telling your story. I enjoyed it. Well, it's a blessing. I'm really glad to be back in touch with you, and I hope... I hope something that I have to say will touch someone's life to wake them up to the fact that God has better plans than exactly what they're doing now. Would you mind saying a prayer over the audience? And Lord, we have all gone so far astray. But it says that saints are only sinners who fall down and get up. So, Lord, we want to be faithful in a way that we've never been faithful before. We want to hear your voice. We want to listen to you when you encourage us in what we should do. Because no matter what our plans are, your plans are right and your plans are better. So we count on you because we know your plans for us are good. And we need you, Lord. Our nation, the whole world, needs you more than ever before. So we come before you and say, Lord, use us. Lord, please send me, is a phrase in the Bible. Use us, Lord. Make us a witness who can reach and touch the lives of others that they can see the truth. Maybe we will go and harvest the fruit. Maybe we'll simply go and water it. Maybe we'll go plant it. Maybe one of our jobs is just to go clear the rocks so, so it can be planted. But you have work for us. Your work is good. You're faithful. We love you, Lord. We ask that you would bless listeners, our families, our friends, and everyone who struggles. You're a good God. We love you. We thank you. We can never love you like you love us. But you're an awesome God, and we love you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know what you just said, clear the rocks. A lot of times I feel like that's exactly what I'm doing. 
is just clearing the rocks to, before they can even hear. Somebody's got to do it. Well, appreciate well, your time. Thank you very much. I really appreciate this time with you. I hope I didn't drag it out too long. No, all is good. Okay. No, it, I believe it's going to be a, a very good show, and I hope that it's going to open the eyes and the ears, and it'll, you know, we'll see a lot of people come on these mission trips, and uh, so they can, you know, one thing about it is, is going on a mission trip will change your life. Oh, yes. Absolutely. You know, I, I met my wife in Uganda, Africa on a mission trip. Wow. And before, before that, I had been in Russia, and she had been in Bulgaria on a mission trip. And, uh, well, first of all, meeting my wife there has changed my life, but, but also just mm-hmm. going on the mission trip itself. That's right. You know, you, you I, realize how blessed we are. I personally was in Bulgaria one time many years ago. Yeah. I actually tell a lot of people they got to go on at least one. That's right. At least one. You don't have to go very far, but you need to go on one. Yeah, that's right. That's I believe if more children would go on these mission trips. I think they need to go as families, and I think it's very, very important for families to go and show their children what the rest of the world is like. Right, and so they realize that, I mean, they got everything here. You know, life is too easy. Oh, wow. Heart of gratitude. Well, we have to thank God for everything we have. Sometimes we don't know exactly what's coming over the next, the next horizon, but God's faithful. Yeah, I think you're perfect to talk about that. You didn't know what was coming over that horizon. That's right. I, no, I wouldn't. I'm not sure if he'd asked me if I'd have said, yes, I'm willing to go. <laughs> but he just took my wheels off. That's right. <laughs> yeah. All right, now. Bless you. Well, thank bless you very much. Well, bless you. Have a good evening. Bless you. you too. Thank you. And that's a wrap. Okay, bye-bye. Mm-hmm.